Hi there, my friends. Happy Monday. I have to say, I am so happy that these come out on a Monday because I feel like they just start the week out right. At least that's how it feels for me. I hope you feel the same way. This conversation that I have with Laura Hamlin is so much fun. She is such a kindred spirit for me, and I am always so drawn to people who are creative and vulnerable people that find an amazing way to mix the two of them. I feel like as we get older, as we become adults, there is this beauty that we have as children where we explore and we learn and we are unabashedly just making art. You remember like when you were in kindergarten and first grade and everybody was an artist. Every single kid loved art class. Every single lo kid loved to go to music class and bang on things and make loud noise. And nobody ever thought about whether we were good at it or whether we were bad at it or if somebody was going to enjoy it. Kids just enthusiastically embrace their creativity. And as we get older, somehow the world sucks that out of us. And I think that is a shame. And anytime that I see adults that have kept that part of themselves whole and not only have held on to that, but are willing to be vulnerable in putting it out into the world and ask people to enjoy it and then sit back and enjoy what they have made, regardless of whether other people are accepting and loving of that is so awe-inspiring to me. And so Laura and I are going to get way down into that. This is also the ninth episode, but the eighth official kind of episode post intro. We have been doing this now for two months and I'll tell you, I'm loving this journey so much and I am so excited that you're here with me. I have to say that this last week, if you are not a member of Patreon, I have to plug it real fast. The link or the link is in the show notes and it is such an amazing connection and something super fun happened this week that I want to tell you about real fast is we had our first wine Wednesday and we got some people together from the Patreon that got to sit on a Zoom call for an hour have a glass of wine or beverage of choice and talk to each other, get to know each other. We talked about some of the things about the podcast, but really it's not even necessarily about the podcast. It's about the connection. It's about allowing people to feel like they have found a community. And it was incredible because these people did not know each other. Nobody knew each other, really. They just showed up and shared. And I am thrilled to see where it goes. We also have the Facebook page where is another place for you to connect. That's part of the Patreon. There's the regular Facebook page um, for me that just is able for people to connect and to learn more and to see what's going on. So quick plug for that. The other thing that I want to ask you to do real quick is that we're seeing some new faces join sort of some of the commentary. Anything that you can do to click the follow button to share the podcast, rate and review the podcast for me. If you are enjoying it on Apple podcasts, you can do that. The link is again in the show notes that really helps to expand the reach that we have with the podcast. And what that beauty is, is that it brings more people into the fold because 
so much of this is just connecting people to each other. And I love that being such a big purpose of this podcast and of this experience. And so speaking of connection, I don't want to delay you any longer with connecting with my dear friend, Laura. There's some information at the end of the podcast where she tells you some performances coming up. All of her information is in the show notes. Laura Hamlin has an incredible five song album that just dropped last week. Listen to it and enjoy as much out of it as you can. It's so incredible. And especially when you hear her talk about how that came to be, you are going to have your mind blown. And she's just the sweetest person in the entire world. And I am so in love with her laugh. I love anybody that has a big laugh, that has a fun laugh, that has an infectious laugh. And she definitely has one. So let's get right into it. Let me introduce you to my dear friend, Laura. I am so excited to be sitting here this morning with my dear and darling friend, Laura Hamlin. Some of you may be familiar with her and her music. She is absolutely incredible. She just dropped a brand new album last week. And I will tell you, I have listened to it many, many times and it is so incredible. And I'm so fortunate to have her here to have a conversation with me about creative work, about creative process, how we get where we're going, the difficulties that we have. So this is going to be a wonderful opportunity for us to just kind of talk about how we get to be our creative selves. So welcome, Laura. Good morning, my darling. I'm so glad that you're here and I get to see your smiling face in the morning. I love it while I'm having my coffee. Yeah, I already did my coffee. Now I'm getting hydrated, having some water. Oh, that's such a good way to take care of yourself. I would love for you to start by telling folks who are not familiar with you a little bit about yourself, about your music, how you got started. Because I think if I recall, you've been doing this since like practically the womb. Um, well, there's a video that my mom took of me when I was two, um, singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And you can see the uncertainty in my tiny face while I'm singing. And then at the end, I'm in a room full of my family members and they all just erupt with applause. And I, you can see the switch. You can see it happen where I go, And like, so ever since I was super young, I was always like swinging on my swing set, singing at the top of my lungs. But I was also, I had terrible stage fright and I was very, I was kind of a shy child. So I I didn't pick really. Yeah. Look Mm -hmm. at us now. (laughs) I know. It's crazy. You would never know. But um, I didn't pick up a guitar until I was 29. Really? Yeah. And so it, it. And I was embarrassed. I felt silly. I remember my first guitar teacher, you know, asking him, am I your oldest student? Like, is this ridiculous that, you know, you're teaching me how to do this at such an, a ripe old age <laughs> of 29? Um, and he said, no, <clears throat> he said, you're not my oldest student. And anytime you want to learn something is, and you have the gumption to seek it out is, is admirable. So, you know, and then that was, so I'm 42 now um, and I'm doing so much cool stuff that I don't think ever would have happened if I didn't bite the bullet and take that first embarrassing, terrifying step of, if I want to be a singer, 
I think I need to have this guitar situation figured out. Yeah. And there you go. So, so you, so you were singing the whole time. So you had grown up singing, but the guitar part came afterwards. Well, the guitar, I, I was in chorus. Um, I was always in chorus up until I think eighth grade, ninth grade, we moved and um, chorus wasn't cool anymore. And I did also mm-hmm. take, I took piano lessons from age 10 to 16, but that also wasn't cool. Um, and like, I, I really didn't do anything after that though. I mean, I, I, occasionally I could work up the nerve to do karaoke, which by the way, classical conditioning, karaoke still terrifies me. It's terrifying for, it's, I think most normal people. I think that people that like go and do karaoke and they're super like, they, they are hardwired in a way they have to be that I will never be hardwired <laughs> at all. It's terrifying. There's nothing to hide behind. Even I actually didn't. Okay. So I was singing in a band called Scattered Melodies. I was singing, I had a duo partner named Mike. We had a little duo called Two People Singing and we would do like weddings and private parties and things like that. And it was super fun. Um, So I had been doing that kind of stuff for probably seven or eight years, recording in studios. We had put a bunch of music out. We had played a bunch of shows like McDowell Mountain Music Festival on like huge stages. Um, And then I started hanging out at Roosters in Mesa and they had an open mic night and I wanted to get up there and do it. And I was too scared. So um, they have the sweetest two karaoke hosts there. Um, and I started going to karaoke and one of them, her name's Alyssa. And she's like, just come to karaoke and you know, you'll settle into it. You'll, you'll work through your nerves. So I started doing that. And then eventually after like, I don't know, a couple months, I started doing the open mic, which that was really the first time I had gotten on stage with just me and my guitar. Um, it's a whole different ball game when you don't have like a whole band to hide behind. And sure. when you're like just sitting there by yourself and at least then I had my guitar. So that was surprisingly easier than the karaoke. With the karaoke, you have nothing. You don't have a bandmate. You don't have an instrument. Right. So it still freaks me out. Like I, and you're standing like amongst people. I think karaoke (laughs) is just such a bizarre concept to me. It's still weird to me. And I still, I'll do it occasionally. Um, in certain circumstances, like my mom goes to the Legion in Mesa, um, Tuesdays and Sundays. And so sometimes, sometimes me and my sister will go down there and do karaoke with our mom. Um, and I'm, I'm always like more nervous to sing a karaoke song than like any time I actually get up on a stage. I love that. So, it's so weird. Also, but let's not underscore the fact that I understand and I, I, your harmonica playing is such a damn delight, but you also play some other instruments. Do you not, Missy? I mean, I, I, I like to play as much jingly, shaky, noisy stuff as I possibly can. So I, have oh God, a bag, I, I have a bag of jingly things. Oh my gosh. Well, you rock a mean tambourine. Well, thank we all you. Know that. Thank yeah, you. I love the mean tambourine. And your, <laughs> your, I, your whole hippie persona that I think was one of the first things that drew me to you. And for those of you who don't know the story, like Laura and I met at a show at Denim and Diamonds where the Coltrane's were opening. I can't even remember for whom. And within like five minutes of meeting each other, we're like, did we just become best friends? What? But you do, you have this such great, like you get on stage with a tambourine and it's like, it feels like it's an extension of your body. It's just so cute. But you, so spoons, 
Spoons, correct? Spoons, yeah. Yeah. How does one learn how to play the spoons? Um, do you just like you wing it? I do. So fascinated. I, I just, I just picked them up and started banging them around. You know, I, I think I started, I think the first thing I like officially played in a, in a, in a band um, was like a shaker. And then it was the tambourine because, you know, shaker, you can be kind of quiet and like tambourine, you, you know, so I worked my way up to the tambourine and then, yeah, I don't know. I picked up some spoons. Um, I have, I have a little jingle bell thing that I'll play sometimes like around the holidays. And then, yeah, I just, I got a kazoo. Um, I actually have a whole bunch of kazoos and, um, and then I was like, you know what? I actually got a harmonica holder that you can wear and play while you're playing the guitar for my kazoo. And then, oh my and God. then like a little bit of time went by and I'm like, I should just get some harmonicas because I don't know what that's like. So I grabbed a case of harmonicas and started playing around with that. And I'm like, this is super fun. And I'm, I'm no blues traveler, but like, I, I just decided to start playing it. And I've, I feel like I'm getting, every time I do it, I'm figuring out other little things to do. And so I just keep doing it, but it's, it's, it's just fun. And I got myself a foot tambo now. So if I got my cowboy boots oh. on, I can do, and I'm working on playing the guitar and tapping my foot. Um, I just, you know, being a one man band, it's kind of, I can't incredible. do it all at once. No, but, I love it. I, I love the fact that you just decide that you're going to, oh, I'm just going to try this. Yeah. And just, then you just go. And I will tell you, so I, I have a guitar that I can't play that I picked up like last week. And I'm like, I'm going to try and figure this out. And like, I, it's bad. It sounds horrible, but I can make it sound like something. I don't understand how people can sing and play an instrument at the same time, because my brain, I just don't think goes in that direction. It's like the same thing with, I have two violins that I can't play two, not one, but two. Um, I, now that I have more time in my life, I'm like, I'm going to learn how to do this because I really hold the truth that I don't have to be good at something to enjoy doing it. I am actually really shitty at so many things and I'll just giggle my whole way through it because it's too much fun. That's perfect. I love that. That's a fantastic outlook. So how, when did writing come into the picture Um, and writing your own music? So I always had, I would always write little poems and things as a child. Um, and then I, I guess I, I can't, I don't know. I was probably maybe early twenties. And I thought, um, I write poems all the time. Most just like jotting things down and maybe I could try to put some music to it, but I, I didn't, at that point I quit playing the piano and I didn't have any way to like actually make it into music. So mm-hmm. it didn't go anywhere. And then when I, it wasn't until I started playing the guitar and then I could sit down with an instrument and I could put the words into, you know, they were already in these like, you know, certain phrasing and then I could add the music and then it just, I, I was probably, I don't know, it's probably within a year, I, I wrote the first song that I ever wrote. Um, gosh, I probably can't even remember it at this point, but I was like, you know what, that sucks, but it, it's okay. Like mm-hmm. it's not good, but it's, but you did it, but I did it. And it has some okay parts that aren't terrible. Right. So just from there, I just started trying and trying and trying 
Um, and like at this point, I probably have 200 song starts, if not more. I have like, I think there's like a thousand voice notes in my iPhone. That is funny because I, I totally understand that one. I have um, with my writing. So I'm just taking a look right now to tell you, I have 242 drafts in my wow. drafts folder, 242 wow. things that I started writing and never finished. Wow. It's insanity. Yeah. So let's talk about, so I want to talk about that with the, the creative process with you, because obviously I think that we are, we're a little same, same. So the, the process for you and getting a song out, is it, what happens first? Cause I've always been very curious about this. Do you start with the music? Do you start with the words? Do they, it, does it sometimes change? Do, does it sometimes come to you all at once? Um, I would say 95% of the time I start with the words. Um, okay. Cause I, I've also, in addition to the poetry, um, I, I loved creative writing in school and I had, like, I wrote, I wrote a little child's, it's a children's book, but it's, it's basically a poem that I had somebody illustrate for me, but oh, I, amazing. I started writing like a collection of memoirs, like just stories. And like, Love I have, this. I, I also have like a bunch of notes files in my phone where I just, I've never actually, well, I, I did have one article about an organic farm that I worked for like eight years ago. I did have that published in a publication, but I know I, I, yeah. So anyways, the words for me, it's the words. There's one or two, three songs, maybe that I just sat down on my guitar and started plinking around. And I was like, maybe I could play a song in this style or with this way of finger picking or whatever. But yeah, it's for the most part. Um, it's, it's all about the words for me and that's where it starts. So one of the things that kind of fascinates me and I love about the album, um, and we'll put links in the show notes to where everybody can find it and listen to it because I love it so much. Thank you. Um, it is, it is very personal. I think that with some of your other songs that you have written, from what I've listened to, um, because I've been listening to you for a few years now, is that they're they're topical, right? So you're you're discussing love, or you're discussing you know a, a general idea. But some of these, like the song about your grandpa, mm -hmm. is there. It's very personal. Was this album a little bit different? And because that's what I sense is that it's a little bit more personal from you. It really is. So my, the first album, um, the love you most album, mm -hmm. I, I wrote and recorded those songs with a producer. Um, so a lot of those songs are co-writes between he okay. and I, and, um, I feel like that project kind of got away from me because I, I originally just wanted to do eight years ago, what I just, mm -hmm out. I had like five songs. I wanted to sit down with my guitar and play those five songs. But um, the producer who was, he was a friend and a bandmate at the time, he just, he, he, he had these big ideas and he was a very talented songwriter and producer and he had this wonderful studio. 
And so we just kind of started playing around and it just kind of took on a life of its own. And it just kind of ended up going in that direction. And I still love those songs. They're very near and dear to me, but um, I never really got to do what it was that I originally set out to do. So this album is what I had set out to do eight years ago. And I think that's why it feels so damn good. Yeah, I can imagine. I just, I had heard the songs and that's the night that I made the post in our lovely Facebook group filled with so many wonderful ladies. Um, I had heard all of the tracks separately. Um, I was coming home from a gig in Scottsdale and you know, it, it, it came out at midnight Eastern time. So here it came out at nine. So I'm driving home, it's like 1130 at night and I, I opened Spotify, there it was. And I just pressed go on the first track and I just got to listen to it that way in my car, which I do my best listening in my car. Um, of course. And like, I just got goosebumps. Um, it was I so rad. This. It was so rad. I love this. And, and you know what? I did that stuff live, uh, except for the last track is like a bonus studio track, but I just sat there with my guitar in one take and played those songs. Your shut your mouth. That's what it that was. was. Just one take. That was just, just yeah. that's so oh I just sat there and we we um there was no opportunity to fix any imperfections. Like when you track the guitar separately from the vocals, if you if you your voice squeaks or you hit a bad string, you can go in and you can fix those. We didn't sure we couldn't do any of that because and and that's what I wanted. So there's a handful of parts that I'm like, ah, I could have landed that one a little bit better, but I wanted it the way I wanted it. And there are slight imperfections. And that's what I, that's kind of what I posted. I said, um, it feels so good, even though there are, I'm sure there are people who would listen to these songs and well, she didn't hit that note very well, or she bonked a string over here on her, on the guitar. Um, but I don't care. I, I, I'm my own worst critic and those things are, they're okay. They're okay. It's okay. And I, uh, my just, mind is blown. Yeah. My mind is blown. <laughs> my mind is absolutely blown. That is, it's so incredible because first of all, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this. And I think this is a good segue into something that is a, I think a huge problem for creatives, but I will tell you from somebody who's listened to it a few times, 99% of the people that are listening to those songs will never hear the bonked guitar string. Right. They will never hear anything other than this is incredible because we are not trained to. Right. Right. I, I can't clearly, I can't play guitar for, you know, Jack, but it, we're just going to see it at a different level, but you hit on something which is so important, which is we are our own worst critic. Absolutely. And that I think is so difficult for most people who are creative. And I know that I struggle with it profoundly. When I started writing, it was funny. I, I was going through my divorce and I was not processing things like I should. And I had a very critical moment where I was driving down the road and I just lost my shit. Like it was just, everything came crashing down. And you know, Brandy Strange, mm -hmm. 
I called her. I did the phone a friend. I had to pull over on the side of the freeway and call her because I just, I was done. And she reminded me that it was okay to fall apart, that I had to fall apart. And I was doing a really shitty job of faking it, that I was okay. And no one was buying it. Right. (laughs) You're fooling no one. Right. She's like, you are strong, but no one is that strong. And so she gave me the permission that I needed to fall apart. Nice. And so I went home that night and I wrote something out, like just heartfelt, I am not okay. And I threw it out onto my Facebook page. And it was the first thing that I technically had written in over a decade. Wow. And the response from people was so wonderful that then I took that and I tweaked it and I published it on Medium. And then all of a sudden people, this algorithm worked and people started reading that. So I wrote something else to process this a little bit more. And I put that into the world and then more people started reading and it was just supposed to be for me. But then all of a sudden there was this audience. But what I found is that with the audience came this weird Confidence, but lack of confidence at the Mm -hmm. same time. Yeah, there's a balance of being self-aware and being too obsessed with perfection. Right, right. And then it was, um, so like going back to your album being very personal, for me, I'm all of my writing is personal, Mm -hmm. Right. Every now and then I'll do something that's maybe op-ed where I'm writing like about some sort of political observation or something that's more, you know, a researched piece. But a lot of it is welcome to the shit show, folks. Like we got we got a bob and weave. That's what we do throughout our entire lives. And so some days it's bobbing, some days it's weaving. Sometimes the punch lands flat on our face and being okay with that vulnerability how did you get yourself into that space to be like, well, shit, I'm just going to do this. What was, did you just throw caution to the wind or did you have, like, how long did it take for you to say, I'm doing it? Um, gosh, I, you know, I, like I said, I wanted to, I, I wanted to for so very long that I just, I, I called up um, another bandmate who it's so different situation, but another bandmate who also had a home studio. And I just said, you know what? can I just bring my guitar? Can you just mic the room? Can you just, so I didn't, I, I didn't sing. I did sing into a microphone, but the guitar was, and so he mic'd my voice and he mic'd the guitar. So nothing was technically plugged in. Um, so we just recorded what was happening in the room. And he said, I love it. I would love to do that. And so, um, and then we did the first one and I was like, that felt good. And he's like, that, that was, that was great. Like we, let's do as many of these as you want. So he helped me feel like, you know, okay, maybe I'm on the right track. Maybe this is a good thing to do. Um, But it's funny because I actually, I was thinking of, and this may be a teeny bit off topic from what we were just talking about, but I feel like it's still pertinent. I was thinking about what you do versus what I do because we're both writers. Right. And I was thinking how there, there have been times uh, when I write a song and I've written songs that I won't even play anymore because I'm worried about uh, uh, other people's judgment of the song. And 
the, the, I think what makes what I do easier than what you do though, is I can very easily take artistic license with the lyrics of my song. Yeah. And I can sing a song as if it's from my perspective, but it didn't happen to me at all. Um, I can take a, I can take an idea or, or something that I see going on in somebody else's life and I can just put myself into that place and I can write from that perspective so that it, it does sound deeply personal, but it wasn't that it happened to me, but I, I'll go there in my head. I'll go there in my heart, but it's still, you know, it's, it's a story. And some of the things that I sing are a thousand percent true. Some of them simply rhyme. Some of the lyrics, you just, they just plug in. Right. Um, and some of them, um, yeah, some of it is just, you know, bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but that that's the fun part. part is that it's, it's like, when I do say things that are deeply personal, it is like having the pages of your diary out for the world to say and to judge. Yeah. Um, but I, I think what it, it makes me, it does give me courage because nobody really knows where did I take artistic license? Where did I fabricate a yeah. portion or an entire song? Um, and but where am I speaking from my heart? Now, when, when you do what you do, I don't, are you able to do that in any capacity? No. Well, the hard part about it is what I have always told myself with this whole process. And especially when I started getting traction and I think I looked this morning at 8,300 followers on medium, which blows my mind. First of all, you want to talk about imposter syndrome. I can't imagine. I mean, you think about it in terms of if all of those people were in one room at the same time, what that would look like. Wow. And that, so that freaks me out, but it was, there is such an importance that I have placed on showing up and being absolutely authentic, regardless of being flawed. And there are some times when I have spoken my mind, said my truth, put my feelings out there and have had people absolutely hand me my ass. And that is really hard. That's hard. Oh my God. There's, I I have (sighs) talked so much about, you know, being single and, and dating, especially because I would say that I have worked so hard to get my shit together in my life in every single way possible. And you look at my life from the outside and, you know, I have the house and I have the kid and I just, I I take good care of myself and I'm not wanting for anything. I've got a life that's fun. I have beautiful friends, but the one part that I've never been able to really dial in and get to work has been my love life. I'm just saying it, but I can't, I can't fabricate it. The hardest part for me is I've always been very protective of anybody in my life that I mention in some sort of way. And especially with, I'll talk about dating, but I don't talk about the men necessarily. I have mentioned, I have mentioned seeing someone, I'm not there to put anybody else's business. Even when things have gone South and you talk about a failed relationship, I'll talk about it in terms of me, right? Right. What did I learn? I'm I'm never going to point a finger and say, Oh my God, I just went through a breakup. Let me tell you about this asshole that that's just the, the focus is on my life, but because of that, you're right. I, I can't hide from that. Right. And that's kind of the point of it. 
is not hiding from it. The hard part for me with this, and this is something I want to talk to you about as well, is I had this other life of this professional career where I served, you know, a lot of people in a, a customer service capacity that I'm putting all of this out there. You can Google me and find all of this. And so there were times when I would just wait for somebody to Google me and then put out my entire life that I've put out there for consumption and yeah. mockery. Terrifying. And that is with this shift that I've made. I now everything's out there and very public. And I have a public Facebook page where you can see all of this writing and it's easy to access. And everybody that I know now knows that I write that shield that I had of being selective in who knew what I did is gone. Right. And it's empowering, but it's terrifying. It's absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so now it's even when I sit down to write, I know that more people that know me personally may find what I'm saying. So now it's when I sit down to write, I know that people that are close to me that know me personally, rather than 8,000 strangers right. are, go- are going to see this. And so that's a little bit of a mind shift that I'm trying not to let affect me. Yeah. So that, that has you- to be really hard. So you've, but you've got the same thing where you have, you've got your day job mm-hmm. and then you have, there's like a day Laura and night Laura. <laughs> so right? like, so there's day Laura that, you know, you, you have bills to pay. you got a mortgage to pay. So you have sort of this brick and mortar thing that you have to do. And then you have this creative life. And I know firsthand how hard it is to balance that. How do you do that? Because it takes two different versions of you to, to do that. So you're living essentially two lives. Do you, do you feel that? Does that affect you and and what you do in either realm? I think when I was working a job that wasn't a good fit for me, I felt it tremendously. So I have a construction Mm. background and my family did and still does cabinetry my whole life. Um, so I was very much in a professional situation. I was a sales rep. I, well, I did all kinds of stuff for the company, but I ended up as a sales rep um, and I was um, doing multifamily and it was like million dollar contracts. And I was, you know, walking into offices with, you know, in, in the good old boy network where there were, you know, 55 year old veterans in the construction community. And I would walk in and, you know, talk shop with them and open my blueprints and we would do the thing. Um, but that was more before I got really into the music side. I went into organic farming for a number of years. Then I went back into construction and that was hard because I, I was a professional, um, and I definitely had to switch gears when I was doing that, but that job, what I discovered that I had grown out of that and at least that position for that company. So I quit and I went to work for a, a family that raises beef cattle. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of back, I'm at back in agriculture. Um, and I, there's definitely an element of professionalism and I, I do sales, I'm the sales manager and I do um, their sales to their restaurant customers and their chefs. 
Um, I do, I'm the sales rep for the, we have a couple of brick and mortar farmer's markets that we stock. Um, we do a farmer's market on Saturdays out in Queen Creek sometimes, but then I do all the direct to consumer. So people who order their beef from our website, I'm there. I'm the person. I make sure that they get the things that they need and that the website does what it needs to do. And I keep track of the inventory and all that stuff because my boss is so cool. Her name's Alicia Perry. Um, she's super supportive of my music and she comes and sees me play sometimes. Awesome. And she, uh, so it's, it's, it's not quite as hard anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's like, I, I put out that Christmas song that you can't yeah. F and tell me that it's Christmas time. She's like yeah. posted on our Perry page, Perry landing Love cattle loves that song, put it on the, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, so I, awesome. but I decided not to, I'm like, I'm not, I love that you are cool with me doing that, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like at this point I, I sort of have to tap into what I want to share that, that hopefully other people can connect with and will help them some way. Yes. So, so like you're writing all this terribly personal stuff that, that some people grab onto and just want to crucify you for it, but you're also helping people process their stuff and get through yes. difficult things. And so for me, I go, I, I do quite a bit of reading, but I, I go to music when I am challenged, when I'm having a hard time, mm -hmm. I go straight to the music and it, it heals me and it helps me and I learn and I grow from it and I, and then it feels good. And so I guess for me, whatever the cost, I have this desire, I have this drive to get the stuff out of my head in the hopes that someone will hear it and it will help heal them or help them figure something out yes in some way shape or form right so i love that and it is for me the the difficulty of and where the imposter syndrome comes into play for now, me what is that because you just said that so, and i don't know what that means so you oh you don't so imposter syndrome i just assume that everybody knows what imposter syndrome is because it's like hi i'm gonna run your life today so let me give you an example i want to i want to write a book i want to publish a book about working through changes and transitions in our lives because that's so much of what I write about. And that's sort of what I keep going back to that I wanna put it all together because I think that there are, like you said, people going through things. So it's like, here's the road that we're walking down. Come walk with me, let's walk it together. Let's, let's get through this stuff and let it be funny, let it be raw, let it be real. Mm -hmm. The one thing that has always stopped me that still is in the back of my head is, I'm not really a writer. I'm just pretending I'm playing. This isn't real. No one's going to buy it. I'm never going to get an agent. And all of this negative talk in our head, which is called imposter syndrome, where we don't believe we are the thing that we actually are, stops us from being the thing that we actually are. Does that wow. make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. It's hard. Yeah. And it is, it is really hard for you to put out the album in the imperfect way that you did and not care about the fact that it is imperfect and just say, this is, this is the way it is and not allow the perfectionism to do that. Because I think that there's a lot of people that are incredibly talented 
they're incredibly talented musicians or writers or the actual like tangible medium artists mm-hmm. that are not living their best creative life because they're not letting themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. So when somebody, you meet somebody for the first time that does not know you at all and they say, oh, Laura, well, I'm a, I'm a banker at Wells Fargo. What do you do? What is your answer? Um, which, which Laura do you go to? I suppose that I would, I would definitely say both. Um, but I would probably, I would probably address the professional aspect of that because that's, if that's what they did first. So I would say, well, I work for a family that raises beef cattle and then, Mm -hmm. but I also am a musician and I play, you know, I play all kinds of different stuff and I've got some music and, you know, but it's funny because after putting out this five songer, like I, I, I love the, I love the performing part and I actually hate recording. It makes me, it's, it's kind of, it's like, you better not mess it up. You better do it. Yeah. There's a lot of stress. <laughs> so I'm sure. That, but so, but then you just relax into it. Whiskey helps. Um, you just it relax into it. And then uh, but anyhow, just I, 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 what I really think I've discovered I want to do is I'm coming back to the writing mm. um, where I, I want to still continue to sing and perform at times. And I've got a great string band that I'm super proud of. Um, and I do the duo thing with Mastin and mm-hmm. um, I love it all, but I want to write. I, I, yeah. I want to write. I have so many songs uh, I don't necessarily need to or want to be the person that makes the songs more public. Yeah. Make, yeah, makes them happen. Um, but I want to write them and I want I want other people to take them. And, I and love make, this. Do the big thing. So, so that's kind of where I'm at now is right. I, I, I would love to be the writer. Oh, that's incredible. Somebody else do the thing with the song now. And I'm not entirely sure how I'm going to do that, but, um, you know, that's kind of where I'm headed at this point. So I'm just going to keep, I think at this point, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to keep doing exactly what I just did. I'm going to take five song chunks. Mm. I'm going to just record them like I just did. Um, I may possibly play with the production a little bit more, but they're still going to be very stripped down and basic. Um, and I'm going to just put them all out and then I'll have a whole bunch of all my stuff out, just out. And then what, maybe something awesome will happen. It's funny because I, I get that. I get that in that, again, this is the first time in my life when I have given myself liberty to, well, now, I mean, I left my career behind. I have business cards being made up that says writer, editor, podcast host on them, which is super fun. But the hard hard part for me is that now when people ask me what I do and I tell them I'm a writer, it's always followed by, well, what do you write? And I don't even know how to explain what I write. It's like, um, well, I have 897 feelings. And so I talk (laughs) about them ad nauseum because I have to, or else my brain's going to explode. Right. That's pretty pretty much Mm -hmm. how I can define what I do for a living. It's like, there's just too much going on. I feel too much. (laughs) 
But I, I'm starting to look at, and again, going past the imposter syndrome that this is never going to happen mm-hmm. is I'm looking at pitching larger magazines and publications to, they, they want, you know, essays on certain topics. Like there is my, one of my end is uh, New York times has a section called modern love and which it's stories about love in any form. And I am just waiting for this moment where this beautiful shining idea comes to me of something I can pitch to the New York Times. But the idea of sending off something to the New York Times and getting rejected, and I will send them 18 things, I do not care, but just putting it out there and saying, please, somebody like my stuff. Cause what I do right now is it is, it's self-published. Totally, yeah. So it's like, I'm just a, girl standing in front of the media asking you to love my 897 <laughs> feelings. Love my, me and my feelings, please. Love, love my feelings. <laughs> that is exactly it. So that yeah. next step is, is it that next step's a doozy. Yeah. But I love the fact that that is, I love the fact that you know that and that there would be a draw of being on a stage and being in front of people. And I think that there's a beauty in being behind the scenes. And maybe that's because we were both those shy kids growing Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. I did theater growing up and I was horrible at it. I was horrible because I wanted, I think I wanted the praise and I wanted the approval, but having to stand in front of people to get it was mortifying and it made me really, really bad at it. So I would be the, the, I was like the girl in high school that was like with the hammer and power drill building the sets because being on the set was just, yeah. But you wanted to be around it. Let me die. Like I do. And I'm a ham. I'm a total goober. And I, what makes me comfy on a stage is getting to be up there just messing around with my friends, which is how this whole mess started. Right. Um, and so I admire, I have, I'm so lucky. I have such an awesome group of, of friends who are also musicians and I get to do this awesome stuff with a lot of them. And, um, that kind of takes my mind off of the, the performance element Uh where it's like, I'm old enough and I'm secure enough with myself to just be like, I might say something really embarrassing in front of a lot of people and uh somebody's girl probably, same yeah somebody's probably <laughs> gonna facebook live this so it's not even gonna be just secluded to whatever little shindig i'm at at the moment it might get put on the internet where not that a bunch of people would see it but they could if they wanted to right and they could watch it several times and it's like the when whenever facebook live first started being a thing i hated it and, mm-hmm. and there, there have been so many times when people have taken just these horrendously awful photographs of me and posted them all over social media. Oh, those and assholes. I'm like, like the first few times that happened, I was like, cool. Like, I appreciate that I was photographed and that th- that's, you know, it's some form of, of admiration or promotion or, you know, whatever it was, but it's like, can you not tell how God awfully horrible, like one of my eyes is rolled up into my head. And I have 17 chins. Can you not see how awful this is? Right. But it's like somebody. Spare me my own self-loathing for a second. Right. (laughs) And there was a period of time where I was like, man, I don't know if I should do this anymore because I felt like there were some good moments, but God, there was some stuff that I really wish I didn't do or I didn't say, or I could take back or I could just 
you know, mm-hmm. forget about that are just out into the world now. People saw them and it's on a stinking Facebook live or there's a photo of it or whatever. But I just got to the point where I'm like, I don't care. Like yeah. I still, I still, when I try to be cool, it never ever works. Right. No. So I've just decided that. that I'm not going to try to be cool. And I laugh like an idiot sometimes. And I say wildly inappropriate things sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I swear when I'm not supposed to, and I screw up lyrics, I forget them. I do the wrong chords. I drop my guitar. There's all kinds of stuff that I just, I'm really much more forgiving of myself now. And I'll tell you though, I mean, this is just from me to you. It's why I love you so much. It's why you are my people, right? It's why I loved you the minute that I met you. It's like, this woman is a damn geek and we, I want to just hang out and be geeky with her. And I think that when you and I are together and we're in the room together, like it's scary. Like there are people that are just like, I see like shaking their heads. Like what the hell is wrong with these two? Nothing. There's not a goddamn thing wrong with us. We are just awesome as we are. Yeah. But speaking of big performances, you, so you did country thunder yesterday. No, I did. I uh, Thursday. It's coming up. So next Thursday. Yeah. So how cool is this? So first of all, I I, I don't even know what day it is at any given time. I don't know what the date is. (laughs) That's cool. This is how I live at work every day now. So, (laughs) so I thought it was, I thought it was this last Thursday. No, next Thursday. Okay. It's coming up. So the coolest thing ever. So one of my buddies, uh, Drew Cooper, Yes. Love Coop. Fantastic. Such a good performer. I just saw him play, um, in Tucson a couple of weeks ago. And usually I'm running around and partying and being an idiot whenever a lot of my friends are playing. Um, but I sat down and I watched his set and he had Jim Bachman playing lead guitar with them. And it was like amazing. His showmanship is something else. And his, he's Mm -hmm. such a good lyricist. He's such a good, he had, you know, you, wa- you watch him, the little secret band language, you watch him, you know, he's looking over back at Tad, who's on drums, and he's looking, him and Jim are nodding at each other, and, like, it's just the coolest, coolest thing, so anyways, love him so much, he's such a good guy, he's such a good friend, um, he, he threw um, some of our hats in the ring with the people booking Country Thunder, and so I got super lucky, because I was um, in the group of people that he, you know, recommended. Uh, so I have a, my band's called Salt River String Band. So the string band is we're the very first to play the very first day that it opens next Thursday, Wow, which is oh, kind of awesome. So it's, um, it's Thursday, the 7th, okay, uh, four to 5 PM. And then, um, I, then I also get to play in, uh, my duo with tall Paul Mastin, which yes. is, he, he, he's named the pompous beggars because we get to do all this awesome stuff because our friends are so amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love so it. We're playing on Sunday, 4.30 to 5.30. And Drew also plays, I think he plays Saturday and Sunday. So if you are local in the Phoenix area and you are heading to Country Thunder, please, by all means, go check out Laura and her band, the Salt River String Band, and then her duo with tall Paul Mastin, which is if you're looking for inappropriate things to be said, that is the place to go. There's no that. shortage. There's no shortage. And th- I, I, I feel like with Paul, cause we are both giant goobers and when we get together, it's just off the charts. Um, I promise you'll be a f- at least slightly offended. Um, but we have a lot of fun. So, and if we- anybody goes <laughs> to my Instagram, 
I, I totally stole your photo, oh, by the way, photo, that you texted me yesterday. It. I saw it this morning. I was just scrolling and I got to go back and click the likey button, but it's such a cute photo. Yeah. So there's so on my Instagram page, like yesterday's post, the first picture is Laura and myself and uh, tall Paul. Yep. So you'll get to see those smiling faces. Um, and I'm, again, I'm going to link to your album um, nice. and your Spotify. So everybody, please check that out. Follow Laura on Spotify. Cause a lot of people don't realize how important it is to hit the follow button and get follow. the new yes. information. So yes, that's huge as well. And yep. Oh honey, I have enjoyed spending so much time with you today. It's just, I love being with you anytime. And I love your energy. Oh, thanks girl. You're same. just a, you're a Freaking ray of sunshine. Same. Aww. I love you. Thank you. And I love your podcast and congratulations on being brave and doing awesome stuff. And you know, it's, it is, it's, if you don't, if something doesn't excite you and make you at least a little bit scared that there's, what's the fun? What's the fun in that? I agree with you. So, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Take a big bite of that burger. And if you get shit all over your face, can I say shit? Um, yeah, you can if say If you get it. shit all over your face, then who cares? Wipe it off, you know? Right. Cause it's <laughs> oh, also- one more thing, super quick. Yes. Um, we're also the, um, the string band where we get to be on Good Morning Arizona. Bobby Joe <gasps> Kelly, sweet angel. Um, she asked if we would come to do uh, Good Morning Arizona tomorrow or not, not tomorrow, Tuesday, the 5th, April 5th. Perfect. At 9.15 PM, we get to play a song on the television to promote Country Oh Thunder. my gosh. That's so exciting. <laughs> I will absolutely be tuning in for that. That's so girl. exciting. All yeah. right. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. New episodes launch every Monday, so I hope you'll be back. If you enjoyed this podcast, there's several ways to show your support. First, by rating the podcast and leaving a review, you help others to find great content. Second, if you're looking for further connection, consider becoming a patron of the podcast, where you'll have a fun and interesting way to connect with others and even get more information on perspectives and things you may not have considered. Lastly, please share this podcast with a friend. The number one way that podcasts reach more people is through sharing and word of mouth. I appreciate you and your beautiful open mind. See you soon.